listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday afternoon. Now, in the next 15 minutes or so, we'll be chatting about sparrows. You'll hear all about sparrows here in Hong Kong. And to tell us a little bit more about that, we are joined in the studio by Pang Chung Chu from the Hong Kong Bird Watching Society. Mr. Pang, welcome to the program and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. We are on Facebook Live also, so you can uh, see uh, Mr. Pang uh, Chun Chu over there as well and perhaps put your comments and questions about sparrows. Just before the interview started, we were just talking about how birdwatching is perceived as an old person's hobby. But it's not, it's not true. We're two young people and we both love birds. Mm. Are we seeing more young people appreciating birdwatching in Hong Kong? Well, I would say so because we have so many youngsters, uh, young people in our society. And actually, um, it is a really good hobby for families. Um, from, from our activities, many, many different activities, there are actually many families bringing their kids to join our programs. So I would say there are actually uh, quite a popular hobby for family during Saturday, Sunday. It's a perfect one. That's so good to hear. Well, let's talk about sparrows then. Sure. I understand uh, recently you conducted a sparrow census. And um, what were some of your findings then? Well, um, we have initiated this census since 2016. So this is our fourth year to conduct this census. Um, the most interesting um, finding um, among these four years is that we recorded our decline of sparrows number last year. So we recorded uh, 250 something, uh, 250,000 something uh, sparrows in urban Hong Kong, which is uh, like a 20% decline from previous years. And this year we recorded a bounce back of the population uh, reaching the similar level compared to 2016, 17. So we have a drop last year and increased this year. So how many did you find uh, this year then? Well, this year we have a number really close to 300,000. Wow. Yeah, that's okay. a lot. Yeah, that's, uh, I think I read in, in the report about 20% increase. Yeah. Wow. Where did this increase come from or what is it telling us? Yeah, it, it was quite frustrating for us to explain these patterns. Um, last year, we have proposed two uh, scenarios to explain the decline uh, because we have we had a really dry spring last year. So uh, the, the total precipitation of the four, uh, first five months last year is about, was about 200 millimeters of precipitation, which is really low. Normally we are sp speaking about 500, 600. So we had a dry spring last year. So uh, that dry weather might postpone the um, breeding season of the sparrows. As our census always con was conducted in May each, each year, so um, the postponement of the breeding season might suggest many parent birds hide inside the nest, incubating their eggs or feeding their chicks. So um, they might be less available for the surveyors to see them during the census, which mm. might be a to, which might explain the, the decline last year. This is scenario one. Scenario two was that we proposed um, it's a real decline last year. Uh, it is a pessimistic 
explanation because the dry weather might rule out some weak individuals last year. But last year, we didn't know which scenario explained the reality. And this year, the rapid bounce back actually suggests... It was the first one. It was the first one. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Which I can see it's frustrating because, like you said, this is you've started the census since 2016. Yeah. Can you see a trend then? Because it's decline, decline, and suddenly there's an increase. Yeah. So is there a trend even? Well, uh, seems from, like from, if it's a dry spring, you can anticipate a drop in population then. Yeah, but uh, when we talk about four years data, the, the number of sparrows are actually stable. Uh, among these four years. So there's no, well, we, we suspect that the number, the population of sparrows are actually affected by how eco-friendly of our urban Hong Kong is actually. So if we do not have big change in the urban part of Hong Kong, we anticipate, we do not anticipate a rapid change or a trend, especially a downtrend, which is worrying uh, to, to explain any pattern or, or trend of the population of the sparrows. Yeah, we should clarify, we're talking about the tree sparrows here in Hong Kong, the mm-hmm. most common type of sparrows. How many different types of sparrows do we actually see in Hong Kong? So uh, in the world, we are talking about like 30, over 30 species of sparrows. But in Hong Kong, we, we do not have that many. We um, Until recent years, we have so far recorded three different species of sparrows in Hong Kong. The Eurasian tree sparrows, that are the most common one. We see them every day. And there another two are really, really rare. One is a rutset sparrow which is a rare winter visitor in Hong Kong. They inhabit similar habitats of the tree sparrows, but we only have like one or two individuals recorded per year. Wow, it's quite low. It's so rare. What do they look like then? Because regular tree sparrows that we see are the the brown, small ones, size of a fist. They they look quite similar to each other, but they do not have those two black patches on their faces. So... um, Chew is laughing because just before the interview, I, I revealed that until recently, I thought those big black round marks on their cheeks, I thought they were their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's supposed to be what it's... But yeah. anyway. Yeah, but but that rutset sparrow do not have those marks oh, okay. on, on their the, the, uh, face. Okay. Yeah. And then what's the third type of sparrow? The third type yeah. is a new, a recent new record to Hong Kong. It is called a house sparrow. The house sparrow is actually really common sparrow in um, the western side of Asia or even to the Europe. So, but but there are, there were no record of house sparrow um, in the history of Hong Kong. But until recently, one I I can't really remember one or two individuals were were recorded were observed in uh, agricultural farmland in Hong Kong, northern yeah. side of Hong Kong. Okay, you mentioned a point just now, Chu, about uh, how sparrows are a good bio indicator uh, of how uh, friendly Hong Kong is uh, to nature. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Okay, um, it is a concept about um, using wildlife as an indicator to tell um, how our environment is um is inhabitable to to different types of species when we talk about sparrows they are a specialist to urban area in hong kong they are so rare in the natural terrain 
you when, if you like hiking, if you love hiking, you go into the forest or other hillside of Hong Kong. You can't really see sparrows. That's true. You mainly you see them even in shopping malls here. In oh Hong yeah, Kong. yeah. In restaurants. In restaurants. Yeah. So um, they are so restricted to the urban area of Hong Kong. They even breed inside buildings. Yeah. They they love the space beneath um, air conditioners, wow. inside vans. Lamp posts, so uh, they they're real specialists to to urban Hong Kong. So um, if we have some like bad urban planning, we have some bad building architecture, which might affect the survivalship of sparrows of Hong Kong. We actually you just use sparrows as one representative. We have many different urban birds in Hong Kong, like spotted dove black kite, magpie robin, many of them. So um, we try to survey using citizens, using public power to survey the number of sparrows to re reflect how inhabitable of our urban Hong Kong. Yeah. So, um, and, and actually this, um, this topic was overlooked in the past. We try to raise the awareness of the public to, to be alert and to try to educate the public how, how important of our urban side of Hong Kong to wildlife is. Yeah, that's such an interesting point you raise. You know, I never think about how they do breed in sort of under the air conditions, air conditioners, and they are very much urbanized birds and you don't really see as many. And same with pigeons as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so go on. Yeah. And, and actually, in our census, these four years, we try to record the nesting sites of sparrows as well. And this year we recorded about uh, 70 sparrow nests, a probable location of the nest um, in, in Hong Kong. And actually over 90% of the nests are inside building, inside infrastructures. Only a few of them are found in natural vegetation on trees. So they are named as tree sparrows, but they do not really breed on trees. Apartment sparrows. <laughs> yeah, apartment sparrows, <laughs> restaurant sparrows. <laughs> but then that makes me think, if they're breeding outside, say, people's balcony or under their air conditioners, what if people remove the nests and do they, do they get rid of them because it's seen as sort of unwanted? Yeah, um, it is quite a sad side of, of this part of census because uh, not many people uh, would have a sense to protect the bird nest. They might find it a uh, disturbance, a nuisance to the daily life. So, but in Hong Kong, all kind of nests or even wild birds are protected by, by law. By the law, yes. So uh, it is actually illegal to remove the nest. But I, we understand this might cause some nuisance to people. But uh, we try to educate or try to convey a message to the public that um, they would only cause disturb to you for several months, like two months, three months. After that, they, they would go away. They do not occupy nests for years. So um, once we, we, we are, they, they are just like our neighborhood. We have we should have a sense or tolerance to our neighborhood 
which is so restricted in urban Hong Kong. Yeah, humans are sometimes so selfish, you know, always thinking about ourselves and, you know, if there's an animal or, you know, the bird living outside our air conditioner, we'll, we'll try to remove it. And that's really selfish. Yeah. So what recommendations do you have if, if you're so lucky to have bird's nest mm-hmm. uh, outside of your building? Yeah. Um, if they are just outside your your Window, air conditioners, yeah. windows, you might just simply live with them. Just leave them alone. Yeah, leave them alone. But sometimes we also observe that some bird nests would uh, occupy some space. Um, like the clothes hanging rack or something. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, hung in the apartments, space is so tight, people hang their clothes outside. Yeah, and so uh, sometimes, um, especially the estate offices, might try to remove the nest because they might cause some some disturbance or some nuisance, disturbance. Yeah, some even some like the droppings might might hit on some passengers <laughs> yes. beneath. So uh, we actually propose some uh, measures to reduce this disturbance between the two two the, the few months that they're there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of them is to install some temporary barrier uh, to to block uh, the the nest and the people. So just install a temporary barrier, like a tray, like, like a tray, yeah. to hold the droppings. Okay, and then you will only have uh, like two months, three months to, and then after that you you would just. Um, dismantle. Yeah, and just so, remove it. Yeah. Remind our listeners once again, Chu, when the breeding season is. I mean, usually it's springtime, but it can be pushed back depending on climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, we, well, I cannot say climate change has no effect on the sparrow's population or the, the trend, but it is. it would be a really slow um, uh, effect. Uh, it is a really a long-term one to to anticipate, but rather we have more concern on like urban planning, architecture, buildings, which would have some rapid one-night change effect on the sparrows. Uh, we observed our recent Japanese studies, um, which tell us or um, educate us uh, how building architecture would affect sparrow. They, uh, in their study, they told us that um, nowadays buildings are mostly built with some glass curtain wall. They do not have much outer wall space for sparrows to to hide, to breed. So with these types of buildings, they can't really find nests, sparrows' nests, in this type of buildings. So this might tell us that um, glass curtain wall buildings might be might have a good appearance to people, but they might not as friendly as some old type buildings yeah. to the wildlife. That's true. If you think about some of the older shopping malls here mm. in Hong Kong, they are sort of uh, very high ceilings, and there are sort of I don't know, crisscross um, yeah. structures mm. under the, the glassed ceiling or whatever it is, and then you see sparrows hiding up. Yeah, yeah. And actually, some people enjoy it. Yeah, uh, we we would appreciate that uh, we live in this nice building, yeah. uh, but it it also offers space for sparrows to breed, to hide, to build a house inside. So, I would say it 
offers public enjoyment as well. So we shouldn't feel bad if we see sparrows trapped inside of shopping malls. Mm. It's okay. It's it's, it's their okay. home. Yeah, yeah, they are. Well, well, I think sparrows are quite, quite good to adapt yeah. to to living inside restaurants, shopping malls. Yeah, it's such a weird concept. It's true. You yeah. do see a lot of them you walking around restaurants, and and yeah, it's part of it's part of their adaptation. I yeah. suppose. Um, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. You're can welcome. you remind our listeners once again how we can find out more information about the Hong Kong Bird Watching Society? Have you got a Facebook page or or a website? Yeah, we we do. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You just simply. Hong Kong Bird Watching Society, you have found it. And we have a new build uh, web page and also um, Instagram as well. So we have a lot of channels content, of yeah, communication. Channels to, to, to reach. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And that's Pang Chung Chu from the Hong Kong Bird Watching Society for his sharing. Thank you so much. You're welcome.